Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Anthony Kazanza here with Cincy Jungle and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope you are having a good week. It's already Tuesday. We got past Monday. We are uh, well into the week. The Bengals had the day off on Monday, but they are back at it today. Actually, back at practice currently as we are recording this episode. So we've got some updates to bring you there. We've got all kinds of different things to catch you up on from the past few days. It feels like it's been a while since... We have taken the air, but it's good to be back talking some bangles with you guys. And if you have not done so yet, please, please, please check out the last couple of episodes that we have done. Not not just the water cooler chat, but the last two big Wednesday episodes that we have put out. Because last Wednesday, we had Anthony Munoz on the show. The prior Wednesday, we had both Ken Anderson and, and Ken Riley II on the show. And we are raising funds for the all three of their foundations and i'm going to put this link i know i've asked for for donations uh, for the past couple of weeks now we're only leaving this active for a couple more days here so i want to have one final push we've raised twelve hundred dollars as we speak and we we had a goal of 2021 kind of a lofty goal and i'm i'm very proud of our listeners and proud of cincy jungle readers who have donated to this cause to help give that money to those three charities want to try and really reach that goal if we can we've got prizes to give out so if you do donate get your contact information over to us so we can make sure that if you do win some prizes we got some cool stuff that we can get that over to you thank you for your donations if you've already donated if you haven't yet even donating things like ken riley's jersey number 13 bucks 14 bucks for ken anderson's jersey number 15 bucks seven plus eight for Anthony Munoz's jersey, whatever you can do, we appreciate it. I hate to start the show off with a little plug like that, but it's only going to be active for a few more days. We've raised a lot of money. We're pretty proud of it, but we want to get a little closer to our goal if we can and hopefully reach it. But thank you everyone for your support and go check out those shows too. They were pretty fun talking to all three of those folks about the ring of honor, the 2021 Bengals, and all kinds of different stuff. So we've got a lot to get to started. We're going to kind of start with the weekend stuff. Uh, things we saw maybe, you know, if we're talking NFL-wise, the Hall of Fame game and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, some some recent rumblings of practice. As I mentioned, the Bengals are currently practicing as we take the air right now. And some other news and notes. Now, there's bits of good news and there's bits of bad news that we're going to be sharing with you. Most of it is actually pretty positive And other parts of it, maybe not so much. But a lot of different things we're going to go through, especially as it pertains to the Bengals. There's some news and notes with the AFC North we got to get to. And then, of course, the rest of the NFL, we're going to get to all of that. If you are new here, this is the Water Cooler Chat. This show kind of goes over headlines. We go into a tiny bit of analysis on all those headlines around the league, mostly on the centering on the Cincinnati Bengals. We go through a lot of different stuff. but uh, And then we, we do our Wednesday deep dive show. We do listener questions live on Friday. So we try and bring you stuff between our show, Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk, and Orange is the New Black by Ace and Zim on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. We try and have something for you every single day of the week if we can, at least in the weekdays. So go on your favorite podcast streamer, subscribe, leave us a rating. We appreciate that. And if you like what we do on the video channel, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications after you subscribe so you know when we go live, when new content is available, and all that good stuff. All right, 
Well, let's let's start with it, and we will start with what's been going on over the weekend with the Cincinnati Bengals. We always start with the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, that's where we're going to start again, of course. We're going to go through that, then the AFC North, and then, of course, the rest of the NFL. Well, let's recap. This is on CincyJungle.com. I'll copy and paste this for you folks as well. Uh, this is on CincyJungle.com, recapping the Sunday practice. Now, there's been a lot of talk about what Joe Burrow is doing, isn't doing in practices, and not so much participation-wise, but uh, some certain things where he there's there was a report by Paul Daner Jr. in the middle of last week where there was maybe a, a little look of tentativeness by Joe Burrow in that knee injury. There was some other uh, some other concerns, missing missing balls, and just a lack of rapport, though a lot of the videos we've seen shows a lot of good plays by T. Higgins, by Auden Tate, by by Jamar Chase. And so it's a little bit of a little bit of a mishmash, I guess, of of conflicting information. But the good news is Joe Burrow, after hearing all this chatter, and we we'll kind of scroll through this because there's a lot of tweets on this on this post here, but after this is what was encouraging to me after hearing for basically the better part of a week, Joe Burrow wasn't, wasn't doing well, was maybe struggling with some things. The offense was struggling with some things. The offense was behind the defense. By the way, if you listen to Anthony Munoz, when he joined us last week, he talked about how that's kind of a normal thing. That's a frequent thing that happens during training camp. So he wasn't overly worried about it. He does tend to be a little more optimistic as it goes with the Bengals, but nevertheless, Nevertheless, the the Bengals and the offense turned a corner on Sunday. Um, Trey had you see Charlie Goldsmith here. Trey Hendrickson didn't practice um, on Saturday or Sunday. Um, he's going to be back, and I, I, presumably, based on what I've seen, he had he is back. We've got more news on some other players who are back as of today, but uh, Hendrickson getting a little bit of a rest. Trey Waynes has been back at practice. He missed a little bit of time, made some plays today as well. So we'll check that out. You see here, James Rapine, our buddy from All Bengals and the Locked On Bengals podcast. Trey Waynes is back for team drills. Uh, you see here the, um, the the drills on Sunday were uh, showing false start. And that's, that's kind of the issue. There's been a rotation at the offensive line. We'll talk about the depth chart in just a little bit. So you see Ben Baby reporting on some things here. And there's there's kind of some reports of Joe Burrow scrambling on some plays. Maybe they would have been a, it would have been a sack, but he scrambled. Not an ideal situation. I mean, it's good to see Joe Burrow going out and running on that knee, but not so much uh, under under duress. But um, at, at any rate. A lot of a lot more positive news came out of the Sunday practice as it goes with the Bengals offense. It, they kind of got dragged through the mud the better part of last week in terms of their performance, and it did not seem to be going very well. But the good news is after hearing that criticism and after speaking to the media, by the way, Joe, Joe Burrow, if you saw his press conference last week, he was very locked in. He said he's basically tuning all kinds of different people out. Social media has been turned off for the most part for him, all that kind of stuff, because he is focusing on football. He is focusing on his teammates. He is focusing on a lot of different things, including, um, you know, practice and getting better as to where the offense has been. So the good news is there, there seems to be there turning of a corner of, of sorts by the offense in practices. Some good news here. The Bengals, we're missing one of their prized free agent acquisitions, their outside prize free agent acquisition, Larry Ogunjobi. And oh, by the way, we'll share something with you in just a minute, but he's already looking pretty good in practices from what we can tell. But he is cleared uh, to practice. He is out there practicing today, Tuesday. Um, he had a hamstring tweak. They just wanted to rest that to make sure that he didn't uh, re-aggravate that. Passed a physical as of Tuesday and is back on the field. This is on CincyJungle.com as well. I'll share that link with all of you in the live chat so you can check that out. But that's not too much else to report. It's just good news. Larry Ogunjobi back to practice after dealing with a hamstring injury this the early part of camp and uh let's see let, let me see if i can pull up 
something here from our good buddy Ben Baby. By the way, we are trying to get ESPN's Ben Baby on the program once again coming up soon here. Hopefully this Wednesday, if not then, then maybe a little bit down the road. But we are working to bring him on, and we're looking forward to that, having him on. By the way, his Twitter account of today, I'm just going to kind of scroll through it here because it's basically a play-by-play of a lot of different things. So let's let's talk about Tuesday's practice a little bit here before we get into overall impressions, the depth chart, and all that kind of stuff. So here are some sights and sounds. I, I usually like to, you know, cherry-pick a little bit from a lot of different beat writers and, and media members who are present at Bengals practice, but Ben's timeline today was was pretty solid. You see here one of his most recent tweets was, Vaughn Bell picks off Joe Burrow in the red zone on seven on seven and then proceeds to punt the ball about 20 yards. Looked like taunting to me. Future referees will not be pleased. We'll talk more about that too. But Vaughn Bell does get an interception in the red zone in seven on seven drills of Joe Burrow. So again, good news, bad news right there. Joe Burrow with a great rep a little bit before the interception makes a check at the line, finds the matchup he likes and hits Tyler Boyd down the middle. Also, probably the best pocket he's had today. And then here you go. This we just we just talked about Larry Ogan Joby. After that great play by Burrow, who checked into a different play, hit Tyler Boyd down the middle. Next rep, Larry Ogan Joby goes right up the middle, would have sacked Burrow very quickly. Uh, so these are some of the, the sights and sounds. By the way, I'll play this one too for you. Uh that where's this video from Ben? Uh Here's, here's Jamar Chase getting some separation, if you guys can see that. Um, let, me, let me pull that, see if I can get that a little expanded for you here. So there's there's Chase with, with some noise. Uh, we'll turn off the background noise there. Here he goes, getting nice. I think that was against Waynes there. Um, but Ben Baby did note that Trey Waynes has been uh, putting on some good coverage on Jamar Chase in practices as well. Uh, so let me find another video for you here. We will play this one. This is another good one. This one is of T Higgins. I'm going to share it with you here. T Higgins looking pretty good in his routes with the team. Let me share this with you all here. For those of you who like the video portion, we will, we will share this. So if you have not seen this, and by the way, this is getting a little bit of run here because PFF retweeted it, but here's T. Higgins on a nice move on a woozy A there across the middle, nice ball. We'll watch it again, kind of fakes outside, then does a nice cut back in. Great move there by T. Higgins. So as expected and as kind of has been a bit of the norm, the top wide receivers, the top three guys, have been playing very well in camp, practicing well, and doing a lot of, uh, of good things and showing off in camp. So you got to like that right there. Yeah, Stuart Monty says, love that stutter step. Uh, that's, that's a good move there. Now, here is another guy that isn't being talked about with the top three guys that is showing off quite a bit in camp. And this is courtesy of all Bengals, James Rapine and company, uh, his his great team over there at All Bengals. But Auden Tate is receiving praise. He's, quote, a monster in a room full of big people. Uh, so this is Albert Breer who wrote this in Monday Morning Quarterback, but Tate is a monster in a room full of big people and catching everything in camp. Um, so, again, we're talking all about the buzz with the top three guys at wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, but Auden Tate as a number four option, a big option, likely a red zone target, you would think, is showing a lot of good things in camp as well. So it's not just the top three guys, it's all of them. And so now it's about the protection. Now, going back a minute to what we said about Larry Ogunjobi and how he got a pressure today that likely would have been a sack. I mean, they obviously aren't hitting the quarterback, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what happened was that he, by some reports, got past Mike Jordan. And Mike Jordan, as you know, I hope by now you know, is atop the depth chart at the right guard spot. So let's let's I'm gonna share this with you here too. This is a an article on cincyjungle.com, going back to our website here. And 
this is more, I mean, this is a little bit more analysis than anything, but these are observations from the, the release of the Bengals first depth chart. Now we're going to talk more about this. John Sheeran and myself are going to talk more about this on our Wednesday show, but these are the things that I think it, that I, I are pretty obvious. You see the picture, the title picture there is Michael Jordan. Uh, but you see here are some of the things that uh, you want to be looking at and what a lot of people are talking about. And hopefully you can see this here. Not any surprises in terms of the, the, the first team offense and whatnot and, and the running back groups. Obviously, there's a big grind at running back with, with the four listed in the third team there, Travion Williams, Jaquez, Patrick, Chris Evans, and Puka Williams. Um, and then you've got Higgins, Boyd, Chase, uh, Tate behind Chase, Mike Thomas behind Higgins, uh, Trent Taylor. So not a lot of surprises. Where there was the surprise, though, was Mike Jordan at the starting right guard spot. We've seen the team mix in a lot of different players at the offensive line positions, um, and they placed Michael Jordan as the starter right now. There's been some good reps. There's been some bad reps, as evidenced by today and what Larry Ogunjobi did in his first practice back. Michael Jordan has undergone a big workout regimen and all kinds of different uh, transitions to help his professional career this offseason. We'll see what it, what happens. This is by no means set in stone. I think a lot of these are obviously wide receiver and whatnot, but not every single offensive line spot is set in stone. And really, as you look at it, the right guard spot is the one that seems to be most up for grabs of any of the others. You could argue left guard a little bit, but Quentin Spain seems to have the inside track there. And then, of course, we'll talk about the guy backing up Quentin Spain in a little bit too. But you see here, Mike Jordan has the inside track at the right guard spot. So that's one of the interesting talking points here as you look at defense. Not a ton of surprise. You do have Larry Ogunjobi as the other starting interior defensive lineman, even though he hadn't been practicing um, next to DJ Reader, who is the nose. And of course, you've got Hendrickson. You do have Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt as the starting linebackers. Davis Gaither, Jordan Evans backing them up. Marcus Bailey on the third team. Marcus Bailey was a guy, by the way, he was carted off over the weekend, but it just turned out to be cramps. So he is okay as of this point. Um, so good news there. A little bit of a scary thing every time you bring out the cart, but uh, he seems to be okay. You've got a lot, same, a lot of predictable things in the secondary you've got Phillips backing up the nickelback spot uh behind Mike Hilton you've got a Wouzier and Waynes as the starting outside corners and then of course you've got Tony Brown Eli Apple um as their backups there Von Bell Jesse Bates the other interesting thing real quickly that I noted yesterday Darius Phillips is the starting punt returner as of now over Trent Taylor Trent Taylor was reported to have a good um a very good spring workouts and just was impressing people in training camp and all kinds of different things. And a lot of people thought he would be just given as the punt returner right now, but that's the other spot. That's a little bit, um, that's a little bit, I, I don't know if you want to call it puzzling or just surprising here, going back up here though, to the right guard spot, the other, it's not just Mike Jordan as a starter. It's Jackson Carmen, who the team had been talking about being a, a starting right guard candidate. He's taken some snaps at right guard. There's been some false start issues. There's been some other things with Jackson Carmen. He is now the third string right guard at this point. So that is a, a little concerning, but it's all, it also may be a little bit of a, Hey, Hey, Rook, earn your keep and light a fire under you. That sort of thing. Left guard spot, Deontay Smith, a guy who a lot of people figure he's going to be a future tackle for this team. Fourth round pick, got a lot of length, a lot of size, a lot of athleticism, not a lot of tape because he missed time because of COVID last year. He is now behind Quentin Spain as the left guard uh, on the on the first depth chart there. And why is that? Well, I'm going to share another article with you here because apparently Deontay Smith is doing a lot of good things at the guard spot. It's a little bit surprising because he is was just not really looked at as a guard, at least not to a lot of us on the outside, but they gave him some time. They're doing what they're doing, what they have been doing really on the offensive line since Zach Taylor got here, which is switching guys around, rotating him in and out, and seeing where the best fits are for 
these players. But Deontay Smith is supposedly doing very well in camp, looking good, especially at the guard spot, and he is helping himself out, getting playing time. You see here Deontay Smith pushing his way up the depth chart while impressing coaches. This is by Patrick Judas on CincyJungle.com. And the this is a quote from Zach Taylor, quote, there's just some opportunities with Quentin Spain being out to rotate some other guys in there. He'd been making progress at tackle, so let's throw him in a guard and see how he does, and he did really well. You just want to find the five best guys you can put out there and play them. How many times have we heard that? And if Deontay proves to be one of those guys, let's get him on the field and make it work. I don't have a problem with that per se, and I like the upside of this of this guy. If you listen to our listener questions live episode a couple of weeks ago, we actually had Jake Liskow from Locked On Bengals call in, and we had a, a cool chat with him, and we talked about how Deontay Smith was one of our, mine and his, favorite players in this draft class because of the, the, the measurables and all that kind of different stuff, that, but he has to be coached up but they're giving him time at tackle. They're giving him time at guard and he's responding well to it. So if we're going to be discouraged by Jackson Carmen being at the third, the third string right guard, maybe we should be encouraged by what we're seeing already from Deontay Smith, a guy who lost a lot of weight last year is trying to gain it back in terms of muscle and all of that. Um, he is looking pretty good by a lot of different reports and you got to like that. So who knows if that's going to materialize into something important this year, but at least they have a guy, especially with Hakeem Adeniji out, a guy that they've moved around at a couple different spots on that line. They now are trying the same thing, it appears, with Deontay Smith. So uh, got to like gotta like that, and um, he's responding well. So that is a little bit of what's going on with the offensive line and the depth chart. We're going to talk more about the depth chart on Wednesday. John Sheeran and myself, we may be being joined by ESPN's Ben Baby. We'll see. We're working on that. If not this week, maybe a little closer to the regular season. But uh, he is uh, hopefully going to be a guest coming up on our show uh, in the next couple of weeks or so. Another guy, I mentioned Waynes is looking good. I mentioned Deontay Smith is looking pretty good. Auden Tate, not, not getting a lot of public notice, but uh, another guy who is looking good beyond the top three wideouts. Here's another guy, Awuzie is looking pretty good. Chidobi Awuzie, a free agent corner, a very highly athletic and physical guy, had some injury issues last year and uh, really kind of hurt his stock, hurt his PFF score, all of that. The Bengals feel that he is a good player, a solid corner for them, and uh, will hopefully come in here and solidify a corner position alongside Waynes who missed all of last year. So you, you hope you've got two new faces at your boundary corners here and actually a new face in the slot corner. So your top three corners on this team who are set to start are going to be three brand new guys. So there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of all kinds of different things that they need to get accustomed to, particularly in playing with safeties that played together last year. And those safeties played with different corners last year. There's a lot of things to work out, but it looks to be moving in a really, really good direction with Wayne's back now at practice with a woozy a coming back at practice. And this is courtesy of Jeff Hobson of bangles.com. By the way, our buddies, uh, daddy and Hoji had Jeff Hobson on their show recently uh, on the DNH Sports Show, so go check out that one. Good interview, as always, with Jeff Hobson. What a he's such a great guy, Jeff Hobson. Such a nice, nice guy. And uh, you know, we, I know he catches a lot of a lot of flack from fans for being a little bit homerish on his takes with the team, but uh, he's he's a great guy and he covers the team well. But you see here, here's his player of the day, uh, and this was a couple of days ago, I believe, but. Uh, like Burrow said himself, Saturday, Awuzie, the free agent starter from Dallas. This is the bottom bottom line here. Has been quote awesome. Uh, and you see it the, uh, here. Two plays stood out Sunday. Awuzie wrapped up rookie running back Chris Evans on a screen when he diagnosed it quickly, and it was on a third down coverage sack when quarter uh, quarterback Joe Burrow had to hold onto the ball. The coverage obviously provided by Awuzie. So good to see some strides being made by the defense as well. And, um, you know, uh, there's this team just seems to be a, a lot more solid in a lot of different places, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They've really stacked up things on the defense defensive side of the ball. If they can be middle of the pack um, in terms of all of the different metrics and, and statistical points, 
if they can do all of that, then uh, I think this team's going to be in pretty good shape if the offense holds up its end of the bargain. We're going to go through a few more Bengals uh, pieces of notes here. And then, of course, we've got AFC North and NFL. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, which is the show you are listening to. Don't forget to get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. And if you like the video, if you like checking us out live, if you like seeing the things that we share with you on our video instead of just us talking about it, uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do that. And there is an icon, I believe, right by where my where my injured arm is, right here. There's a there's a little logo. You can click on that, subscribe, hit the notifications button. We will be bringing you a lot of different stuff, especially during the regular season. But uh, as we lead up to it, a lot of different preseason analysis, guest appearances, and all of that. And I can't can't uh, stress it enough. If you're able to donate to our our charity fest benefiting the Munoz Foundation, the Ken Riley Foundation, and the Ken Anderson Alliance. Please do so. We appreciate the support you've already shown us. It's been awesome. Rolling along, more Bengals news here. And there, again, good news, bad news. Good news, bad news, right? I shared a video earlier of Jamar Chase uh, making a nice move on Waynes and getting a nice completion. There's been some mixed reviews on Jamar Chase so far this year in camp there's been a lot of wow plays some nice one-handed catches a couple of nice separations where they finally started to click on a couple of deep balls however there's still some more issues connecting with the deep ball some have noted a couple of times that chase has had a little bit of issues separating which is a little disconcerting there's been a couple of noted drops of passes that could or should have been caught by chase so there's a lot of ups and downs you kind of expect this with a rookie wide out you were hoping that these would maybe be a little bit fewer and far between because of the rapport with joe burrow and that was kind of one of the selling points with drafting chase at five and so you know there's just i think some of this stuff gets a little bit overblown because you've got some some questions with jackson uh, jackson carmen now and, uh, you know, what's Deontay Smith, the, the two linemen that the Bengals brought in in the first two days, uh, rather first four rounds, I should say, of the draft. So, you know, obviously this is going to stick out a little bit more, but there are some growing pains. Again, we're still in the early portions of camp, no preseason play as of yet. Uh, but um, at, at any rate, Paul Daner Jr. Uh, wrote an article uh, and he said, you see flashes of that early was the quote, but you also see somebody tentatively getting used to a new offense, new league, and not playing football since January 2020. That is a key point that a lot of people forget. He didn't play last year at all. Uh, now, obviously, kept a, he looks like he's in great shape. He's kept up his workouts, it would seem, and there's no questions about that. It's just not only getting reacclimated to football speed, high-end football speed, but transitioning from high-end SEC football to NFL football speed. He has endured a string of drops on short and long passes with another coming Sunday. He has not shown as much separation as you'd hope, and the contested balls haven't gone his way much either. These are all, it's a little concerning because these were all the selling points of Jamar Chase with him being drafted number five overall. String of drops on both short and long passes, as Daner notes, not much separation. That was a big key. You know, he had the 4-3-ish speed. And the Bengals needed a long ball guy, a, a reliable long ball guy. And then the contested catches, that was another strength of his. So, th- I don't know. Paul Daner, uh, has, does, he and Jay Morrison do awesome work for the for covering the Bengals for the athletic. And um, the, he, Paul's been bringing a little bit of the buckets of cold water lately between the Burrow stuff, Jamar Chase. Again, early in camp. Not not ready to hit the panic button yet, as Joe Burrow himself said. Can't hit the panic button quite yet, but there are some things that are a little concerning at this point. Go check out that article on CincyJungle.com. Better yet, go subscribe to The Athletic and get all of their great content that Paul and Jay put out covering the Bengals there. But a little bit of up and down with Jamar Chase and the rookie class. I guess that's what comes with rookies anyway. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's, I'm not going to share too much about this. I just want to share the article and I want to share the link with all of you. But this is something that I hope you all check out. This is the roster projection for uh, from Cincy Jungle. I think I think my co-host John Sheeran did this one. Is that correct? Yes. So um, check this one out and you can kind of see what his projections were. He did one a couple of weeks ago as training camp kicked off. Now we've seen some things. So another uh, another roster projection here. So I would recommend you go check those out. Those always generate a lot of good discussion, a lot of good debates. Um, sometimes it's pretty predictable. And uh, I know John has gotten most of those right. I know when we've done roster projections, we've done most gotten most of the, the, the players right uh, by the end of final cuts and whatnot. But still a fun, fun article, fun debate to have. Go check that out. And I would expect the Bengals probably will make, I would think, a move, multiple moves, whatever, after final cuts on the waiver wire. I just, I feel that whether it's an unfortunate injury that that comes about on their roster throughout the preseason and training camp, whether it is about ineffectiveness, more questions on the offensive line, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, there's there's just a lot of. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some good options for this team to look at on the waiver wire after final cuts. We are going to keep rolling. Uh, I see. Hey, Jeremiah, you're welcome, buddy. You say you said thanks, Anthony. You're welcome, bud. Uh, I I I just I like relaying the news to you guys. I like relaying the news to you guys on this one, and then we do the analysis tomorrow. Take your questions, all that good stuff. And maybe I think we're going to do listener questions live this week because there is a game this weekend and uh, we should probably do that. So we've got a, we've got a jammed week. Let's roll on. This is not on Cincy Jungle. This is one we haven't, uh, in terms of a specific Bengals article, we haven't referenced too often. We like to use this as an NFL general news type of source on this show. CBS Sports and Jason Lock and Fora had a had a, a an article here, and I'm going to put the the link in the chat for everybody as well. But Jason Lock and Fora put out this article where he spoke with Joe Burrow and talking about the path in 21, how the quarterback and Bengals are dealing with hurdles coming off of injury. Some of you may be old enough to remember when Carson Palmer had to deal with this in 2006 after injuring his knee in the 05 playoff game. By the way, that was in January. Uh, and he came back in week one. He had to kind of go through some not only arduous rehab to get back and play, but he had to come back and play and he had to get past some kind of some mental hurdles, mental demons, if you will, um, to not be so uh, tentative or ginger or whatever on, on the, on the leg. So, you know, we've heard some things that Joe Burrow's kind of dealing with a couple of different issues on that same front. He's had, he has the benefit of, you know, having, I guess you, if you want to even call it a benefit, it's not really a benefit, but uh, I mean, he's, he injured, his injury occurred two months earlier than Palmer. So he's got a little more time than Palmer did. And of course the medical advancements 15 years later um, have to put Joe Burrow on a, on a, in a much better situation at that, at this point, but nevertheless, interesting article here um, talked, talking about, what Burrow's been going through at practice and, uh, you know, uh, just all kinds of different things that he has to, he has to go through here. Um, you see quote, it was a big step. Burrow told me after the practice session, I felt comfortable back there today. And today is the first day that I really felt like that. It's exciting for me to make a step in the right direction. I've got to stack days now today felt great, but tomorrow's got to be better. Um, so, and I think this also comes as part of the ups and downs that Burrow has to do 
has to go through this offseason. Not only look, everybody's expecting the world of this kid, and I get it. He's extremely talented, former number one overall pick, had one of, if not the best college football season by a college quarterback ever in 2019. Um, but look, coming off an injury, still a slightly watered down training camp and or preseason, obviously one less preseason game. We don't even know what Joe Burrow will do in preseason games, if anything. And then, of course, you go back to last year with the COVID pandemic. No preseason games, basically an extremely light training camp and, you know, brand new team, brand new faces. So he's had to overcome a lot. He's had to overcome a lot and deal with a lot. And I know we all expect the world from him. I don't want to paint up excuses already, but, you know, I think I, I think that we need to kind of also kind of look at this from a mile high view. But, quote, he's done everything possible to get himself ready to go, head coach Zach Taylor said, and now it's on us to protect him. So this is a, an interesting article here on from Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports. I recommend you check it out. And uh, just kind of a good insight and, and not not insight and not that there's anything wrong with the insight from those of us who cover the team from a Bengals perspective, but from a guy who's a national writer and looks at looks at things in a little bit different lens than we all do. And obviously seeing some things that uh, Burrow has gone through talking to him and whatnot. Interesting article there by Jason Lockenfora going there. And that is in the live chats. Got some more Bengal stuff. I I'm loading you guys up, loading you guys and gals up with all kinds of Bengals news and all of that. Unfortunately, where I'm going to go next, uh, it, it, we're going to start kind of getting into a little bit of the, negative side of things. And I was hoping to get to these earlier because I didn't want to stack it up to some other Bengals news and notes that I wanted to bring to you. But this came across just before we hit the air. Uh, there was a report through ESPN.com. I believe it was Jeremy Fowler. Well, I'll double check that real quick. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he has a source within the AFC North that Jesse Bates and the Bengals are not expected to reach an agreement on an extension this summer. This has to be a, an extremely high priority. Both sides have said they wanted to get a deal done. Jesse Bates has said he wants to stay in Cincinnati. And I think that still remains the case. But as of now, they're, they're, a source says they're not expected to reach an agreement. Now, could this change in a week? Sure. Could this change in two weeks? Sure. But this doesn't look good at this point hearing this. And I'll, I'll, I'll scroll down here. ESPN. Um, yeah, he's Jeremy Fowler, like I said, from ESPN, and I believe he mostly covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. But here is the, the tweet itself, quote, the Bengals and safety Jesse Bates III are not expected to reach a contract extension at this time per source. Sides not progressing towards a deal. Bates, a 2022 free agent, is a major player coming off of three interceptions, 15 pass breakups a year ago. So what we don't know is if this is just, you know, so far apart that, they're not going to get the deal done or what, what that means. But it, as of this point, Jesse Bates and the Cincinnati Bengals are far apart on an extension. Bates coming off a second team, all pro nomination, obviously coming off of uh, first three years in the league being very, very good ones. He had a little bit of a dip in year two, but recovered nicely towards the end of that one. Um, and so, you know, uh, a guy that I think the Bengals really want to, to come back and, and play very well for them, continue to play well for them. It's just a matter of, does it make sense? I saw a comment earlier. I think it was from our buddy, Brian in Iowa, who said the Bengals don't play non, don't pay non-premium positions, premium money. Well, you know, that's true at, at times. There's a lot of, there are a lot of examples of that. Safety, unfortunately, has not been overly valued by this franchise. Offensive guard is not overly valued by this franchise. We've seen that time and time again, unfortunately. But uh, I do think worst case scenario, the Bengals will try and franchise Jesse Bates if something doesn't get done here. There's still a lot of time. We've seen this kind of happen before. And there were times when A.J. Green signed a contract extension like a day or two before the season began. And they go, that was back in 2019. So, look, we've we've seen it happen before. And, uh, you know, this these things 
tend to do this. Agents sometimes put these out out there to kind of paint a certain picture, gain some leverage, so to speak. And so uh, we'll see. But this is a player that the Bengals undoubtedly should keep based on his value and what he's been able to achieve going on. Um, I don't know, go, going after his first contract here and into his second one. He's a guy that just, you need to sign this guy. Core player. Look, the guy also was in the marketing stuff for the new jerseys and all of that. You got to think he's got to be in their long-term plans. Now, long-term, what does that mean? Franchise tag? Does that mean getting this deal done? I don't know. I'm still optimistic. I think it'll get done. I've said that before, but this report was pretty disconcerting. And uh, I think it's one that, that should be noted, but things could change here very, very quickly in the next few days and weeks. We'll see. We are going to keep rolling here. And I, again, I don't want to pile on the Cincinnati Bengals, but this was also a little bit of a, a smack in the face, or maybe it wasn't even surprising to some people, but the Cincinnati Bengals ranked as the second least valuable franchise in the NFL. Now, hopefully that changes if the Bengals become a little bit more successful under Joe Burrow. But uh, this was from Forbes magazine, as they often do in terms of valuation of NFL franchises. Um, you, you can see here, here's a look at the list of the NFL's most valuable franchises. You'll notice that, that the Cowboys, 6.5 billion, are worth nearly 2.2 2 billion more than the two least valuable franchises, the Bengals and the Bills, who have a combined value of 4.545 billion. By the way, the Cowboys, one of the, the, the top dog in this list here by Forbes. No coincidence that they are on hard knocks again. They make money for the NFL. They produce money for the NFL and they are quote America's team, right? So they are almost $2 billion more valuable than the two least valuable franchises, the Bengals and the Bills. Ranked the Bengals are 31st. The Bills are 32nd on the most, most and or least valuable franchises according to Forbes. So Whatever you want to make of that one, um, I guess if you want to say small market, if you want to say whatever else about that, fine. But that's that's what that is, and that's what Forbes found with the valuation of the team. Now, I'm going to play this. Uh, I, I hated to back those up to some things with uh, the, some positive things with Bengals management that I'm going to share here. But I guess that's just kind of how things unfolded because we needed to get to a lot of training camp updates. This is from Megan Mongillo of uh i think she's with fox um she's with local 12 excuse me local 12 in cincinnati elizabeth blackburn was on the channel talking about what's going on she's become quite the rock star among Bengals nation and whatnot here's a little bit of what she was saying there's a clip on twitter go check out fox 19 also for the entire interview but this is a little bit of and hopefully you can hear this a little bit of what elizabeth had to say on the show and what to expect in terms of in-game experience from Megan Mongeo and Fox uh, Fox 19. Games this fall, fans can expect to see literally more energy. We are adding sound, we're adding heat, we're adding pyrotechnics and more fireworks to celebrate traditions and touchdowns on game day. We're also introducing a new pre-game ritual. We're calling it the ruler of the jungle. Oh, okay. And Every game right before kickoff, we're going to invite kind of a, a celebrated, whether it's a celebrity or a special fan, up to a stage in front of a throne, and they will lead the entire stadium in our Hootay chant right before kickoff to get the stadium absolutely loud and the energy levels high and all the fans hyped, and the fans will be giving the team energy. It's going to be really cool. That so... We all good stuff there. And this has kind of been the mantle that Elizabeth has assumed. I hope we can get her on the show at some point too. She seems to be really on, on top of things, really sharp and uh, really respect what she has been spearheading with the Cincinnati Bengals. She's been the driving force. You've heard Mike, you heard Mike Brown say it at the luncheon. She was the driving force behind the ring of honor. You heard, uh, I believe it was Ken Anderson who said on our show that he talked about Elizabeth Blackburn being the driving force there. She's been a driving force in terms of, of making it a more energetic, fan-friendly, all kinds of different things that, that the fans have been clamoring for, making it 
a, a big, big atmosphere within the jungle, and uh, I can't wait to see it. I hope someday I can sit on that throne and lead you all in the Who Day chant, but I probably won't. I'm not. I'm not that cool. There's a lot of lot of other cooler people than me, but uh, seems seems to be like a really cool thing that they are doing, and there should be uh, it should be a much different experience this year. So hopefully, uh, you you've got your tickets and and you guys are ready to go to some games here because we weren't really able to do much of that last year, and hopefully that's all that's all going to change this year. And obviously we're all going to be safe and do all that that we need to do in order to keep this, keep this rolling, but good stuff from Elizabeth, go check out uh, Fox 19 um, to, and, and Megan Monguillo's Twitter account to, to hear more about that, that interview really, really neat. And it was a cool appearance. And also she was on the who day UK Cincy Natter uh, podcast recently. So go check out that interview too, where, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and listen to that one. And of course, we would be remiss if we do not wish. I, I, I wish I could say I came up with this one. I did not. But Brandon, who uh, goes by at Nasty Natty 740, he's um, been a follower of mine for a while on Twitter. And he let us know that it was today is Mike Brown's 86th birthday. And don't let the age. Don't let the prominence of Elizabeth Blackburn, Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, don't let that fool you. Mike Brown is still an omnipresent guy at Bengals practice. He's on that golf cart. He's checking everything out. And he knows all kinds of different things intimately that are happening with his football team. So happy birthday, Mike Brown. I know uh, <laughs> Bengals fans have had some ups and downs with the team and ownership and all of that, but happy birthday. I've had the pleasure of meeting Mike Brown one time and he was, uh, he was very affable, likable and approachable guy. And uh, so happy 86th birthday to him continued good health and hopefully more success for the Cincinnati Bengals under, under his watch going forward. Let's transition to the AFC North. we got a little bit more to get to before we bounce out of here, the AFC North, and they are obviously all going through training camp as well. The Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I feel like the, the articles I pulled up were a little bit negative. This is from uh, dogs by nature here are, counterpart site that covers the Cleveland Browns within the SB Nation network. Browns safeties are are hamstrung by injuries. Ronnie Harrison Jr. and Grant Delpit. Delpit missed all of last year, a promising kid out of LSU. Um, they've been out both with hamstring issues. I also, I didn't bring the link the article, but there's another article out there. Miles Garrett is dealing with a minor injury. Um, so they've, and I think also Denzel Ward is dealing with an injury. So again, the Browns defense having a lot of issues early in camp and, and early in the season on the injury uh, injury front. So they need to get things working out for them and they need to get these guys back healthy. But the other thing, uh, let me see if I've got, yeah, here's, here's another one here. I'll share this. The, the other one that is going to set be set to miss some time here is Tack McKinley. If you remember, the Bengals claimed him off waivers in the middle of last year, a guy that we all thought was going to help the team in terms of its pass rush and be a nice rotational piece. Failed his physical, didn't, didn't you know, latch on with the Bengals, bounced around a little bit, then he made it to Cleveland. Um, and then there's basically another article here saying they're going to be out, uh, either going to be without him for a while, whatever that means. So uh, he's been out since July 31st and they are going to be out without tack McKinley for, for a little while, a guy they wanted to rely on in terms of rotational pass, pass rush help as well. The one thing though, and I didn't link this one, one other report out of Cleveland is that Baker Mayfield is doing and saying a lot of the right things, doing the right things at practice, handling the media a lot better um, and, and all kinds of different things. So maybe a little bit of maturity being shown by Baker Mayfield a few years into the league now, obviously recognizing that his team is, is very, very talented and, you know, maybe, maybe seeing that there's some good things on the horizon for them. If he plays the way he needs to play. And of course, if he uh, handles things the way he needs to handle them and their team stays healthy. So um, May Mayfield has been looking pretty good to this point from what I understand. And um, you know, there's, 
I, I don't know what you what kind of stock you want to take into that, but uh, that's some of the reports that he has been looking pretty good to this point. Let's go to behind the steel curtain. This is the Steelers counterpart site to Cincy Jungle on the SB Nation network. Uh, they are coming off a big weekend. Are the Steelers a win in the Hall of Fame game? Really ugly one. Uh, a win in the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys, and. They enshrined, I believe, three. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. Three total play, uh, people in the Hall of Fame, but of course, that's over the course of two classes because they merged two classes to honor this year because of the COVID pandemic. So um, we'll talk about that in a second. But a big weekend here. But Najee Harris looked good and he performed pretty well. And you can read more about that on behind the steel curtain. Najee Harris looking pretty good couple of nice runs and obviously came out of it healthy. I think like it or not, I think he's going to be a good one for the, for the Steelers. I think he's going to be a good one. He had a really nice college career and a guy that just kind of suits what the Steelers need, what, who they like to be, all of that. That's just kind of who they are. So Najee Harris healthy played pretty well in the hall of fame game and a big weekend for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Canton and for their franchise. We talked about how Jesse Bates and the Bengals seem to be at odds with a contract extension, but Joe Hayden and the Steelers, Joe Hayden, if he, if you don't remember, Joe Hayden was in the same draft class as A.J. Green. So he's been playing football for quite a while. And so Joe Hayden wants to finish his career with the Steelers. He's looking for a contract extension. You can see entering his 12th NFL season. Um, so this is also on behind the steel curtain. Um, he wants to finish his career with the Steelers and he's looking for an extension with the club. I, I believe we've got a quote here and this is via Drew Rosenhaus, the mega agent um, that represents a lot of players in the league and has represented a lot of players through multiple different sports, but mostly football. Uh, quote, Joe wants to finish his career with the Steelers if possible is what Ro Rosenhaus said. And he has the agent drew Rosenhaus has approached the team regarding an extension. So uh, obviously an extension for a player of his age is going to need to be a, a shorter term one, I would think. And one that's a little bit team friendly, but he has played pretty well since being there. He has had a nice Renaissance since leaving Cleveland and he, he latched on there and, and has been playing pretty well. He was a thorn in AJ green side for, for quite a while when they went up against each other against the Browns and Bengals rivalry. So he's had a, he's had a solid career, some injury stuff and other issues, but um, he's had a solid career, wants to finish it out with the Pittsburgh Steelers if possible. And uh, they're, they're potentially working on a, some sort of contract extension at this point. Not some more not so great news for the Baltimore Ravens. And this is from NFL.com. Kevin Patra, the around the NFL writer. Uh, Ravens first round wide receiver Rashad Bateman uh, suffers soft tissue injury at practice. So um, it's, I, I don't think as of, I didn't really look right before we took the air. So I don't know if more has come out here on the severity of it, but um Soft tissue injuries can be tricky. They can be something that don't last a, a, a very long at all. They could be something that just linger and linger and bug. And this is not good for a team that really was counting on Rashad Bateman. They haven't done very well in terms of drafting first round wide receivers, high pick wide receivers. They never seem to find uh, I mean, they've had some good ones. They brought in Steve Smith, obviously, but in terms of drafting them, they never seem to find that that decade-long stud. You know, you can go back to Travis Taylor. You, you can go to, I mean, Hollywood Brown had some nice moments, but is he a, a true, you know, alpha dog, number one wide receiver? Um, you know, that, that remains to be seen. You've got, uh, was it Perriman from a couple of years ago? He was a bust with them. So, they, they just, there's a lot of guys that put up some numbers, but never seem to be the guy that they hope that they become. Uh, that's not to say Bateman couldn't be, but not off to a good start after the, the Ravens have a little trouble kind of finding the guy at wide receiver. And so uh, Rashad Bateman, soft tissue injury, we'll see exactly how serious that is or isn't. But, um, you know, that's not good news for the Baltimore Ravens. 
uh, going forward. Tyler Garcia. Tyler is here. There's Tyler. When you refer to yourself in the third person, my friend, you get you get mentioned on the show. I love it. I love it. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you, Tyler. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody on the water cooler chat. We're almost done here. We've got a few more to get to, and a lot of it is surrounding the rest of the AFC North and, of course, the rest of the NFL. I'm going to try and find one thing here on the NFL, but uh, before I do, I want to share a couple of pictures in case I mentioned this earlier. The Pro Football Hall of Fame here, the class of, I think this is 2020 here. Let me, yep. Here's 2020, and you see here, these were guys that were also enshrined this weekend because there wasn't a proper ceremony last year, but you've got Steve Atwater. I kind of grew up on the tail end of Steve, Steve Atwater's career, a guy who just hit the heck out of people and was a, was a menace at safety. He was a good, good player. Uh, Steve Hutchinson of the, of the Vikings. And of course, Isaac Bruce, Edron James, Troy Polamalu. Those are the, 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 the class from 21. And like I said, it was a big weekend for, the Pittsburgh Steelers because they just, they had, I think three or four guys go in on the, in the hall of fame here. And, uh, you know, Paul Amalu was one, obviously <laughs> it's kind of cool. If you see his bust, uh, he's got, his, he's got the hair going on the bust. It's pretty, pretty cool. But, uh, you know, it, I guess my, my thing in bringing this up is it's just a little bit of a shame I, all these guys are deserving, right? I mean, you, you can make some arguments for some. Here's 21. And you've got Fanica. You've got Tom Flores. You've got Calvin Johnson. You've got John Lynch. You've got Peyton Manning. Uh, Bill Nunn, who was an executive and scout with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got Drew Pearson. You've got Rod Woods. And here's the thing with both of these. Number one, not only do the Pittsburgh Steelers have three people represented in, in the last two classes, and I understand the disparity of success with that franchise as compared to the Cincinnati Bengals. But when you look at that, three guys in a matter of two years, and the Bengals have one guy in their 50-plus years of existence as an NFL franchise. I find that hard to believe. I, if you go to my Twitter account, at CJAnthonyCUI, I retweeted this a few days ago. I did a little bit of research of some Bengals great wide receivers and compared their numbers to Drew Pearson, who is a deserving guy, but uh, there are some, and I understand some of these guys I referenced played in a different era, but I also included Isaac Curtis, a guy who played in a similar era. And if you listen to the interview that, that we had a couple weeks ago, that Ken Anderson said that Isaac Curtis was the best Bengals is the best Bengals receiver ever. So uh, he may be a little biased because he played with them, but I mean, still the numbers are there. They're, they're very, they correlate very well with Drew Pearson's. It's just the world championships and all that kind of stuff. And then of course, when you see guys like Ken Anderson, Ken Riley on the sidelines, looking in outside, looking in to Canton and you see three Steelers executives, players, in two classes gets a little, gets a little frustrating. I understand the disparity of, of success between the two teams, but at any rate, all of these, all of these folks were great players, great executives and are deserving in their own right. But uh, I, I think we also need to kind of remember some of these other players and, and realize that there are other teams though they haven't had the overall team success. There are some individual players who are very deserving that are not in Canton. So I, I think we need to keep, keep, Banging the drum for the Kens and Willie Anderson and Corey Dillon and all, Chad Johnson, all these guys that should have a shot into the Hall of Fame. So going into the NFL news, this is this is a video here. I'm going to try and play this. This is from Ari Myrov, uh, and this there's a new there's a new set of rules with taunting. So the NFL came out with, uh, I actually got the memo from NFL communications. Um, I don't really want them on me about sharing the direct, uh, <laughs> the direct stuff. So, uh, but this is from Ari Myrov, a little, a little video here. And I want to, I want to share this, but basically there are some really, really ramped up rules for taunting this year. And the league has made a big, crackdown, I guess, on uh, the 
you know, the, the taunting rules. And so here is the tweet here. I'm going to play this quick video and you can see some of the examples that they mentioned here. Um, I guess I'll expand it for you. Um, and you can see what's going to be called supposedly. So we may get a little bit frustrated, particularly in the early weeks with things. The NFL Players Association, coaches, and competition committee have all made a strong statement regarding respect among everyone on the field. We saw an increase in actions that clearly are not within the spirit and intent of this rule and not representative of the respect to opponents and others on the field. Game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce the taunting rules and players and coaches are reminded that two taunting penalties committed by an individual player will result in automatic disqualification. In addition, the taunting player may be fined and or suspended depending on the severity of the actions. So, I mean, guys could get kicked out for doing taunting, getting two taunting penalties in a game. That's that's a new rule. And the issue with that is it sounds like they're going to be much more staunch about what is or isn't taunting going forward. So we may see some ejections from players that we may not agree with. And, I mean, I, I, I was not in agreement with the McKenzie Alexander taunting penalty late last season. Uh, I thought that was pretty ticky-tack, and I think now that's going to be part and parcel of what they call. So something to note a lot. You can go to NFL Communications or, or NFL.com to get a little bit more about the rule changes and what they're going to be clamping down on this year. But uh, interesting stuff from the league. Coming in on an hour, and we're going to close up with just a couple more we don't know exactly what the future is for Michael Thomas and the New Orleans Saints. There seem to be at odds. Michael Michael Thomas had an injury, was kind of away from the team. The team kind of called to check on it, if I remember correctly. And I don't know. There was something about he didn't he he was going to have surgery, didn't do it. He put it off for a few months, and there's all kinds of different stuff with this. But um, there is an article on CBS Sports by Cody Benjamin talking about seven potential landing spots if the Saints look to trade him. So I guess trade could be one of the things on the table. Obviously, they're, they've got a handful of weeks into the season to be able to trade a guy like that. But um, there's a pro football talk reported the Saints may be willing to trade him. Nobody's seeming to be actively interested. Uh, he did sign a five-year, $96.3 million extension back in 2019. Been a good player, but you see here Eagles, Jets, Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs, interesting one. Ravens, we talked about that. And then we talked about the, you know, obviously the injuries to Bateman and, and all the other issues. Chargers. Uh, so Bengals aren't going to be on this list. The Bengals will not be on this list because we talked about how great their top four wide receivers are. So they're not going to be on this list. They're not going to absorb that salary, but uh, interesting article on CBS sports about the saints potentially trading Michael, Michael Thomas and where he may end up if they do. The, I, I don't normally like to talk about Denver quarterbacks, but this is on pro football talk here. Drew, Drew Locke starts um, one week and Teddy Bridgewater the next. So uh, you can see here that Teddy Drew Locke, word from Broncos training camp is that neither Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater has created separation in their competition for the starting quarterback job and their plan for the first two preseason games suggests that that has not changed. So Drew Locke, uh, he's been praising Jerry Judy and a, a lot of other uh, a lot of other players, there's, again, some ups and downs with what he's shown in his time in the league. Teddy Bridgewater obviously overcome some some injury issues, uh, kind of had some decent moments with Carolina last year as a starter, and now he is in Denver, and they are in the midst of a quarterback competition, obviously. Aaron Rodgers, not part of that mix, at least not for now. So they are going to be starting one of those two, one of those two players, and uh, – now, of course, uh, why, why does this matter necessarily from the Bengals' perspective? Well, the Bengals play them late this year, so they'll be seeing one of those guys, it would seem. And so who that is at this point, not sure, but they're going to take turns in preseason games are Bridgewater and Drew Locke getting a lot of time there. Speaking of quarterback situations, 
the one in Indianapolis is just really weird. It's really weird because Carson Wentz, I saw a picture today. Carson Wentz was out on the field, no boot, nothing. And he supposedly had surgery on an injured foot. Um, that can, uh, the report is what, five to 12 weeks of recovery for that. And the Colts, you know, they, they there's talk of, Hey, are they going to pursue Nick Foles because of the Frank Wright connection and all of that? They drafted Jacob Eason last year. Eason was a guy who flashed some really good things at the university of Washington, but also had some ups and downs as well. And now, uh, uh Sam, the kid out of Texas is seeing first team reps at Colts practice. So Sam Ellinger, the rookie, is seeing first team reps over Jacob Eason while Carson Wentz rests that foot, which in a picture doesn't doesn't seem to be all that hindering to him after getting the injury. I think he had surgery, so I don't know. Odd deal there going for going for the Indianapolis Colts. We will we will see what they end up doing there. Bengals do not play them this year, so uh you know, there's there's not that's not necessarily unless there's a playoff situation that's not necessarily in the cards, but still not really I guess what you what you would have thought with the Colts in their quarterback situation. That is going to do. It. We've gone just over an hour. Uh these things keep going longer, but they they're fun. They're fun. We get through a lot of information. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you enjoyed this show. Join us for our, our flagship show and listener questions live this week. We're going to get to a lot as the Bengals kick off their preseason slate. Please go back and listen to the episodes that we had. Anthony Munoz, Ken Riley II, and Ken Anderson, not only to hear about the Bengals, but to hear about their great foundations. I'm going to put the fundraiser link one more time in the live chat for you all Again, we've we've raised quite a few, quite a bit of money to disperse to those three great charities, but we are now going to uh, try and hit our goal to get a little bit more, have a huge impact on those respective, on those respective charities. So uh, we will be closing those down in just just a few days, but please, please, please try and get your donations in if you can. We appreciate all the support, not only of the show, but of those foundations and we will see you tomorrow night myself john sharon and maybe a special guest we'll see and then of course listener questions live to kick off the weekend for you thanks everybody take it easy enjoy your tuesday and we will see you soon